Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Come on, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Corinthians. We're going to get right into it. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 2 Corinthians. Anyone got their Bible here tonight? Yeah. Don't go quiet on me. Come on, the louder you are, the better I will communicate, I promise. You can say, preach it, white boy. I like your skinny jeans. What's going on with your hair? You can say, and you know what, in fact, let's just warm up your response voices because you're not going to be quiet tonight at the 6 o'clock at 641. You're going to be loud tonight. So you have the ability on the count of three. Hold on, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, I got the mic. You're going to have your turn. You're going to have the ability to say whatever you want in a few seconds. We're just going to count to three. Now, hopefully it's not a profanity, but that's where you're at. There's grace for your race. We're glad that you're here. Sit back and just relax. But just on the count of three, just to warm up our response voices, just yell out anything you feel. Hopefully it's holy. Just one, two, three. Wow. There's always somebody that's new to the response game, you know, and they're like, Genesis. Nehemiah, that's awesome. That's so glad you're responding. But I encourage you, let's be, let's be loud tonight. And if you got your Bibles, who's got the genuine leather Bible? Anyone got the genuine? Is there any real, any real believers out here? Can I see, who's got the genuine leather Bible? Just, it could be pleather, it's okay. Maybe the gift shop didn't have it. Just hold it up. If you got, just want to see. There's nothing wrong with bringing your Bible. Hold it up high. Come on, hold it. Genuine leathers, anybody? You can bring your Bibles here. Genuine leathers, hold it up. Now, if you're single, keep it up. Look around. Look around right here. I got you right there. Miracles can happen. You don't have to go to christianmingle.com or eHarmony. You can just come to victory. Come on, somebody. If you got your Bibles, go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And just to lay a context before we read the main text for today, I just want you to understand, maybe this is your first time in a worship experience. Maybe you've never been uh, in a gathering of believers like this before. And I want you to understand what's happening before I read this, this passage of scripture. The, the author of this, this, this book, 2 Corinthians, which is actually a letter to a church. Back in those days, they're writing letters everywhere. I know most of you don't even know what a letter is. We got emails and texts, but, but the author is Paul, but Paul's name wasn't always Paul. Paul was originally named Saul, and Saul was actually a Christian killer. He was a bad dude, and his mission and his desire and his purpose in life was actually to find people just like you and environments just like that and to actually punish, persecute, and hopefully at some point put to death people that actually shared the same faith as you. This is who Paul is, and, and Paul is one day on his way to Damascus to actually find and punish with the authority of the religious leaders more Christians when he has an encounter with God. Well, what I love about our God is no matter what you've been doing or, or what you haven't been doing or what your history is or your heritage is or how far from God you might possibly be, one encounter with God will change your life forever. This isn't the message today, but we need to understand that no matter where you've been headed, that one encounter with Jesus can change your life forever. Paul is on a collision course with destruction, and in one encounter with Jesus, now he's on a collision course with his destiny and God's divine design for his life. This is how good our God is. Come on, so has anyone been rearranged by God? Has anyone been redirected by Jesus? Come on. Paul has this encounter, and he immediately begins to preach and communicate, and he starts leading the first mega church, and now he's planting churches, and he's seen some crazy things. 
And, and to preface the, this portion of scripture, Paul's actually writing, if you were to actually read the scriptures that preface this, he's actually writing saying, man, I've seen God do some incredible things. He, think of the revelation he must have had to be inspired to pen over two-thirds of the New Testament. Think of what God had to be revealing to him. He was once a murderer killing Christians. Now he's a messenger creating Christians. It's just unbelievable. And he starts talking to him. He goes, listen, I, I don't want to boast about myself, but it's been pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy what God's done. Isn't it beautiful that our story is amazing? If you just look at the journey, for those of you that started with victory years ago, it's been amazing. What's God done? This wasn't always the building you have. You didn't always have this cafe or these lights or this level of worship or these types of microphones. It's pretty amazing what God does when he gets a hold of individual lives, broken people. This is the good news. We have a God that specializes in building with the broken and accepting the unacceptable and doing the exceptional and doing the phenomenal with the nominal and the extraordinary with the ordinary. I'm preaching. I haven't even started yet. This is how, this is how good our God is. Paul's saying, listen, there's so many incredible things that God's done, but I don't want to boast about it, but i got to be real. And this is what he says. He goes, in all of this, I've actually had a thorn in my side. He, and he identifies this thorn as a weakness. Now, the Bible's not clear on what this thorn is, but we do know by definition that word weakness is the inability to understand something, the inability to endure a trial or tribulation, the inability to resist the sin struggle, or the inability to accomplish something great. So we don't know exactly what it is for Paul, and that's not even relevant for today's message. What he's saying is, is I've had a weakness, and I can't figure something out. I can't get through something. I can't resist something, or I can't accomplish something, and this is a weakness. Anyone in here ever had a weakness before? Anybody? If you're not raising your hand, your weakness is lying. That's okay. There's grace for your race. And he says, I've, I had this weakness. And he, and he tells the church, this letter he's writing, he says, I asked God to take it away three times. God, take this away. Help me get through this. And this is God's response. That's the context for the main passage of Scripture that we're going to read today. This is God responding to Paul. It says, but he said to me in verse 9, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with, I mean, let's just be honest. This is not us. I'm content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The, the New Living Translation puts it this way. It says, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and the insults, hardships, persecutions, and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, come on somebody, then I am strong. Can I pray with you this evening? Father God, I just thank you that not a single person here is here on accident. God, but we have a divine date with destiny. God, you see every circumstance, every situation. You see every hardship and trial that we're currently in. God, you see the debt, Lord. You see the relationship issues. God, you see the sickness and infirmity. God, I thank you that we don't have to wait for an altar call to have an encounter with you. 
But right now, God, we give you permission to go throughout the, the service, to go to individuals that are desperately in need of you. I pray, Lord, that sickness would begin to flee. God, I thank you, Lord, that sin and darkness would begin to bow. God, I pray, Lord, that you would begin to bring clarity to chaos. Lord, everything that is not alive in here that's supposed to live would come back to life in Christ Jesus. God, I pray that you would anoint my words, that there'd be fiery darts on assignment, penetrating hearts back to purpose, back to life, and back to destiny. God, I don't desire to be a man that stands on a platform, but I want to be the man that becomes a platform that you stand on and are made famous tonight. God, surprise us. God, no one came to hear a man communicate, but we came to have an encounter with a God who's alive and real. God, I ask for the unseen, the unheard, the unknown. I love you. Your name we pray. Amen. And everybody said, amen. amen. You know, I was a, I was a, I am a, a preacher's kid, a, a missionary's kid, and, and, and I grew up in church. Like, I grew up in church in the, in the old days. You might not know this. Like, we didn't have screens back in the day. You know, we didn't have lights like this. Like, when it got good at church, we brought the flannel graph board out. <laughs> Anyone know what the flannel graph is? The younger generation has no clue what I'm talking about. Like that was the gold class of the day. Like that was like IMAX 3D. Like when the flannel board came out, it was crazy. For those of you who don't know, the younger kids are like, oh, what is this kid talking about? Oh my God, I thought he was relevant. Look at his shoes, but oh my, he's talking about a flannel graph board. The flannel graph board was a felt board with cutout caricatures of Jesus and the disciples. You know what I'm talking about? And you go to Sunday school and all of a sudden the teacher would like pull them out and like lay them flat on the board. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Like, we were missionaries kids, so we only had one Jesus. Like, we didn't have money for multiple Jesuses. So it was the same Jesus in every scene, and our Jesus had, like, the one hand out. So, like, no matter what Jesus was doing, he looked like this. Like, Jesus walking on water. <laughs> Jesus being taken up to heaven, shimmering up. Jesus multiplying the loaves and the fishes. Like, literally, she just, the teacher just put them right here, and then just pop them out, and Jesus would be standing there. Jesus on the cross. I was like, what about his left hand? I was so confused for years. Like, is there a hole in one hand and not a hole in the other hand? Like, this is my journey. Like, I, I wanted to be a puppeteer. Like, you don't know nothing about puppets. Like, there's actually a name for professional people that use puppets. It's called a puppeteer. Thank God I found out that I had some athletic ability and God rescued me from possibly spending my life as a puppeteer. I mean, good Lord, you know I would have never gotten married. Like, I grew up. In church, like, I mean, I could talk forever. I don't even have time to talk forever about just being a church kid. Like, back in, in those days, like, if you were a pastor's kid, like, everyone thought it was their right to discipline you. Like, there's, it's like, like, I'm getting spanked by people that don't even have kids. I'm like, you're 25. It's my right. I got to get the devil out of you. Like, that's the journey. The people that used to talk to me after service, see, like, if you're a pastor's kids, there's, there's, there's your parents, and there's, like, the normal line, and then there's, like, kind of, like, the estranged, weird line. The people that really don't get in line, but kind of want to talk to someone, so they kind of, like, hang out around the pastor's kids. I'm, like, seven years old, and there's, like, some guy there, and I'm just like, hey, how you doing? She left me again. <laughs> this is real. Hey, how are you doing? I'm so drunk right now. Give me a hug, little boy. It's like, this is my... This was my journey. And when we grew up in church, memorization was like everything. Like you memorize scripture. And, th and this is one of these scriptures that we memorize. I don't know if anyone have said this before, maybe had this uh, on your wall or as a magnet before, but we, we say these words, you know, his grace is enough for me. We, we've said this first so many times. But, but when I actually look at this scripture and now that I've matured in my faith, I honestly believe this is a scripture we don't really believe and possibly don't even understand. 
In fact, when you think about it, how many times have you said, for when I am weak, then he is strong? But that's not what the verse says. The verse says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. But the whole context of this passage of scripture, I honestly believe we've just said it, but we haven't really believed it. Because if we believed it, we would do what Paul does, which what? Was boasting in his weakness. He, he had such a revelation that he was actually okay with weakness, with persecution, with hardship, with calamity, with difficulty, with his inability to overcome something, his inability to do something, his inability to risk, resist something. He was okay telling people he was weak. But in our culture, we do everything we can to, to hide weakness, to cover weakness, to mask weakness. We don't want anybody to know that there is something possibly wrong in our world or in our life. And think about it, everything we do from a young age is to what? To, to hide weakness. If you're trying out for, for footy, I'm a big AFL fan, or if you're trying out for football, or you know, you're trying out for soccer, or one of these sports, or maybe even basketball or netball, like you're always gonna showcase your strength, not your weakness. If you're good at tackling, you're gonna be on defense. If you're good with your right hand, you're gonna use your right hand. You're not gonna demonstrate your weakness. You're not gonna put your weakness on display. Think about social media. Maybe you've ventured on a, an online dating site before. Maybe, maybe you're creating your, your Facebook profile. And think about the things we write down. Like, do we put our weaknesses in our profiles? First of all, that's not even your picture. That's from, it's from when you were in your uni, but now you're, you know, 52 years old. <laughs> Just be real. Well, like when you're writing your profile, you're like, you know, especially if you're single, you're like, yeah, uh, I'm a helpless romantic. I, I like long walks on the beach. And, and, I, and I have back knee. Yeah, back knees, acne on the back. That just happened. Sunday night church, you're welcome. Like, think about it. You would never put that, yeah, you know, I'm, uh, I got a degree, I'm successful in business, but I hate kids, I hate animals, I hate people. Like, you wouldn't put that down there. Yeah, yeah, my, my name's Michelle, and I, I've never been in a relationship before, and uh, uh, I'm a narcissistic liar. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm addicted to alcohol. Like, no one's gonna put... Think about it. Like we actually do everything we can to what? Hide our weakness, cover our weakness. I mean, the best example of this is social media. Think of Instagram. Instagram is the highlights of our life. Let's just be honest for a second. There would be no such thing as a selfie if there is no such thing as a filter. Come on, girl. Let's just be real. Don't look at your wife right now, but you know what I'm talking about. Like, just think about the photo-taking process. You're like 15 minutes in to one selfie. It's all about the light, and you're sitting there, and it's the neck. You know what I'm talking about. It's like, get the neck out, chin down, neck out. Girl, you've taken like 150 shots. You know what I mean? And then you're like going into another room, and then you're going outside. Eventually, you're just lying down. You're like... It's completely tight. <laughs> Take the picture, find the one you want, then what do you do? Filter it, screenshot, filter it, screenshot, filter it, screenshot, then you post it, hashtag no filter. It's so, it's so true. I've seen it happen. 
We don't want someone to see our flaws or our failures. This is so dangerous about Instagram. It's only posting the highlights of our life. So for those of us that are actually living in a real world, judging ourselves by social media, you're judging your low points by someone else's highlights. Think about it. You're sitting at home and someone's like posting the perfect meal and you can't even cook spaghetti. And they're like, oh yeah, that's awesome. I'm going to like that. You know, you're working three jobs and someone's on another vacation, you know, the third time in three months. And you're just like, what? Oh, I'm going to like that. You know, you got the moms with like all the kids dressed up pretty being like, I love my angels. And you look at your kids and you're like, those aren't angels. Those are devils for sure. <laughs> so dangerous. Instagram's not real. No one, no one posts the low points. No one posts the day after the party when they're waking up to someone they don't know. No one posts the divorce papers. No one posts the bank notices. No one posts the moments they don't want anyone to see. But Christ sees the lowest points of your life and he doesn't just hit the like button, he hits the love button. I remember I was going to a job interview and you know, in, in America, we have these resumes, and you write out everything that you, you basically look up words to write about yourself. And I remember sitting there for this job interview, and the guy goes, man, this, I don't even know some of these words. And I go, that's just how I talk. I mean, I just typed that out last night. It's not a big deal. And he's like, you have just so many strengths. Can you tell me one of your weaknesses? I was like, you want to know? Really want to know my stuff? All right. Um, I'm an overachiever. I'm an overachiever and I'm a perfectionist. And when you give me assignment, like I just put everything aside and I have to conquer it. I put my family aside, I put my fun aside and I just, with perfection, I have to do it. I got a problem. I'm weak, sir. Cause we would dare not let anyone see in reality who we are and what's going on. And Paul has such a revelation. Uh, uh, he has such a revelation of the supernatural equation. Think of the language. He says Christ's strength works best in weakness. It actually says that your weakness plus Christ's strength equals his perfect strength. I mean, I want us to get this. It, he says, listen, okay, you take Christ's strength plus your problem. Christ's strength plus your insecurity. Christ's strength plus your weakness, your doubt, your disbelief, your failure, your persecution, your hardship, your lostness. You take Christ's strength plus your mess and it actually equals his best. He has such a supernatural revelation of this equation that he says, listen, I will boast about it. Why? Because my life and mess creates the perfect equation for Christ's strength to not just function, to not just operate, but to actually work its best in my life. You might be saying, well, Jedediah, what are you saying? That, 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 that I can come into victory anyway? Like, are you telling me I can come in here broken? Are you telling me I can come in here hurting? Are you can tell him, telling me I can come in here strung out and addicted and hopeless and helpless and lost and confused and chaos? Are you telling me I can come in here anyway? I'm telling you, you can come in here like that any day of the week, any Sunday of the month, any time of the year, and you're not just going to be tolerated, you're going to be celebrated. In fact, you know what God's going to do? He's going to go, it's about time someone with the problem showed up so I can demonstrate to the world how perfect my strength is. When you showed up, God stood up and said, it's about time. This is better than you can imagine. His strength plus our mess equals his best. This is what it says. You know, I, 
I grew up a missionary's kid, and, you know, during the holidays, we didn't have lots of money at times, and we would, I don't know if they have it here in Australia, but, you know, my mom would grab, like, this, this box of mashed potatoes. There's no potatoes in the box of mashed potatoes. And they had this beautiful picture of mashed potatoes on it, and it actually would say, just add water. Only ingredient needed was water. You didn't need potatoes, you didn't need milk, you didn't need butter, you didn't need salt, you didn't need anything. You just needed water. It said only one ingredient needed just to add water. We also would make these incredible fluffy pancakes. You'd look at the picture and they're like fluffy and butter and syrup and bananas. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And to make that beautiful picture, all you needed was one thing, only one ingredient, only one thing you had to add to the equation, and that was simply water. And when it comes to Christ's perfect strength, if we could look at Christ's perfect strength and, and all of its fullness and all of its completeness and entirety, if we could look at the magnitude of what's possible in our God in the form of his strength, there's only one thing that we need to add to the equation. He doesn't say, bring me your pedigree. He doesn't say, bring me your prosperity. He doesn't say, bring me your ability or capability. He doesn't say, you must have a 401k or retirement plan. You must be developed. You must be in the church for multiple years. You must have a certain level of prayer life. You must have studied this many scriptures. There's only one ingredient needed. There's only one thing that's required of our lives to create this perfect picture of his strength, and that is our weakness. And isn't it amazing that Christ creates a common denominator for this equation, which is a math term. I apologize if you don't know that yet. He creates a common denominator that everyone can bring to the table. If he made any other requirement necessary for his strength to be perfected, someone would be disqualified. The one thing that everyone could bring. No matter what ethnicity, no matter what age, no matter what financial position or status, no matter what physical condition your life is, no matter what mental capacity you have, the one thing that all of humanity can bring is weakness. And if you think about it, when you first came to Christ, when you first responded to him, when you walked that aisle or in that camp meeting or maybe at Easter a week ago, when you first responded to him, wasn't it in your greatest awareness of weakness? Think about it. I don't know anybody that's like, yeah, my life's great, wife's perfect, I'm physically fit, got millions in the bank, I need Jesus. Let's be honest. The moment we ran to Christ is when we realized we couldn't do it without him. It was in that moment where like, you know, I've gone to counseling and, and I've sat down with friends and family members, but my marriage is falling apart. I cannot do it alone. I need Jesus. I've done everything I can to get out of this addiction, to shake this habit with prescriptions, to walk away from alcoholism. And I've tried mentally going through it. I've tried different levels of habits or different friends environment, but you realize you could not do it. You were weak. You ran to Jesus. When he was like, I need to change my thought process or I need to get out of debt. You realize you could not do it without yourself. Listen, friend, if you have found Christ yet. Don't wait till you get out of something to find Christ because you can't get out of it without Christ. The reality is it's in the greatest awareness of weakness. It's in greatest awareness of our inability, our inefficiency, our incapacity that we run to the altar and embrace Christ because we've concluded we cannot do it without him. I love how Paul explains this and 1 Corinthians 1, 26, it says, Brothers and sisters, think of, what, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things. I am the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things 
of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world to despise and despise things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who's become for us the wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Think of it when you started this journey with Jesus. We were all a mess. And we were aware of it and we ran to him. And then for many of us, because our God's so gracious that when we come to him with our brokenness or our weakness or our issues or our problems and encounter Christ, his strength now becomes perfected in our life. Which means what? Our life begins to look better. We begin to see things that we've never seen before and God begins to bless us and God begins to give us favor and all of a sudden we had a reliance and a dependency on him but then now we've experienced growth and prosperity and blessing and favor and now we begin to take credit for what only God could do. Think about it. Beware those that have been following Christ for a while. When God grabbed us out of something and put us in a different place, don't forget how it started. Don't forget where you came from. Don't forget about the relentlessness of his grace, this unconditional, irrational, illogical love that he displayed for each and every one of us. Because if we don't, then we'll begin to take the journey on our own strength and our own ability and our own gifting. And guess what? We will find ourselves right back to where we started. We'll realize that we are not that good and we are not that talented and we are not that gifted in grace. It is only by his grace. And if we think we can do it alone, we will find ourselves back at the place of weakness, running back to the altar saying, I need you again. I need help in my marriage again. I need help in my business again. We got to continue to keep ourselves in a position of dependency on Christ. Strength's perfected in our mess. The world says you're only as strong as the weakest link, but God says I'm only strong because of the weakest link. So the challenge for us is, is to keep this position. If we could get the the band up here just to make this a little more anointed. It's <laughs> joking, that's false doctrine. The challenge, if you're me, if you're you, is, is to keep ourselves in this position of weakness. Because I want to see the display of Christ's perfect strength in my life, in this church, in this city, in this nation. I want to see Christ's full strength, his perfect strength put on display, which means I have to, have to maintain this, this position of weakness. I have to, have to maintain this position of dependency. And I, I was sharing this with my wife when God was revealing this to me, and she's like, so what are you saying? Are you saying that we're supposed to just stay in weakness, Jed? Are you, are you saying we're supposed to just keep sinning, or we're supposed to keep failing, or we're supposed to, you know, keep messing up? It's very similar to what the Romans said at the end of Romans 5, it's like, well, Paul writes, well, you know, where grace abounds, where sin abounds, grace abounds more. So everyone listening goes, so, so what are you saying? Do we just keep sinning so God keeps giving grace? It's almost like, dude, I mean, it was a logical question. What do you do, throw a sin party so there's a grace party? And I love his answer in Romans 6 when he says, no, because you are now a new creation in Christ Jesus. The same grace that, that carried you out of it is the same grace that caused you something else. The same grace that saved you from your sin is the same grace that empowers to keep you from sinning. No, that's the old creation. So the beautiful thing is it's not like, oh, do we just stay weak and stay in sin and stay in frailty and stay in this disposition of helplessness? No, because when Christ's grace encounters your life, you will see the manifestation of his perfect strength, which means you're not the same person which means you're not addicted, which means you're not lost, which means you're not broken, which means you're not hopelessness. A lot of people want to stay at this part of the message, but grace calls you to something else. Yeah. 
So you're saying, Jedediah, well, what do I do? This is the best example I can give you. And it's such a fitting example for this house. Has anyone ever worked out before? Oh, no, I'm being serious. Show of hands. Anyone ever worked out before? That's it? Come on. I mean, we're still a couple months into the new year. I mean, get the resolutions up. Has anyone ever been in the, the gym before? Okay, a handful of people are raising their hands out of pressure. It's okay. Don't gotta lie. Don't gotta lie. Your friend's like, no, homie, you've never. No, no, no. You're allergic to iron. No, no. For those of you who've never worked out before, I, I, don't, I don't want you to miss out on the, the analogy, the equation. If, if you've worked out before, but maybe you haven't, there's, there's this person called a spotter. And you know what a spotter is? A spotter is someone who works out with you who, who helps you do a weight amount or a rep amount you can't do on your own. So for example, if I, was, if I was doing flat bench, now that might be foreign language to you, imagine there's a bench on the ground and I lie on my back and there's a bar in front of me and there's weights. I know I'm painting the picture for like five people in here that go, I have no idea what goes on in a gym. And then I was actually to take it off and push that on my chest. A spotter would come and stand behind me to help me do a weight amount or a rep amount that I can't do on my own. So they'd help me get a few more reps or help me add some weight and, and that spotter comes to assist me and lifting. You guys got that context? So back in the day, I used to be a lot bigger. I was about 20 kg bigger. I played uh, American football in college, and, and it was all legal. God bless you. It was all, this is all legal. And uh, now I'm like a branch that's been cut from a tree that's been withering away ever since. So this is, God forgive me for the status of my body now. But I used to be bigger, and I was working out one day, and there's this big six foot four, you know, like 220 pounds. So that's like 170 or 80 kg. I mean, circus freak. He was gi ginormous, and, and uh, let's just, for the sake of protecting the innocent, let's just call him Debo. So his name was Debo. He was huge. He was a freak. I've seen him a few times, and, and one day I'm, I'm sitting in the gym, and I'm drinking water, and literally I could feel his breath on the back of my neck. And he turns around, and he taps him on the shoulder, and I turn around, and I'm like, Debo! Hey, man, how you doing? Like, he's just standing above me, and I'm like, what do you want? What do you need? Do you want my wallet? Do you want my keys? Do you want my cards? What do you want me to do? you want me to rub you down? Seriously, to put some icy hot on your calves? Like, what do you need, man? Here, just take my stuff. I don't care. I'm scared. Hey, man, can I get a spot? Yeah, Debo, sure, right now. What do you want me to do? You want me to spot you right now? Like, what do you want? I'm good. What do you want? Let's go, Debo. Let's do it right now. Come on, me and you right now. Yeah, we're buddies. Go over there, and he's sitting there at a flat bench, and he's got five 20-kg plates on both sides. True story, not taking preacher's liberty. He was definitely on steroids. Five 20 kg plates on both sides. I don't even know how much that is. It's a lot. So he goes, can you spot me? Yeah, I stand behind him and he takes it off and he goes, one, two, three, four, five. Racks it by himself. And I'm just like, everybody, this is Debo. Like this is everybody in the gym. Pay attention to my homie, Debo. I go back and I'm doing my set and he comes up, taps me on the shoulder again. Debo! Good God, you can't just walk up on me, bro. You got to text me. You got to send me a snap. Let me know you're in the gym. Like, don't creep on me like that. Hey, man, can I get a spot? Yeah, Debo, for sure. Right now, whatever you want, man. I'm your guy. Like, me and you for life. Best friends. YOLO. Like, whatever we got to do. And go over there. Same thing. He takes the weight off. I don't help him with the bar at all. He takes the weight off and he just goes, one, two, three, four, five. Racks it. This guy's a freak. Now, this goes on for months. For months, he asked me to spot him. For months, he, he does these, you know, five, kg, five 20 kg plates on both sides. He does it by himself for five reps. This goes on for months. Now, 
I'm used to being an athlete and on the field. I'm not a big like cheerleader guy. I was never a fan. I was always in the game. And so after I got comfortable with him, you know, a few months into it, I go, hey, Debo, um, like I love being your friend. And, uh, you know, if you want me to take pictures of you while you're doing stuff and filter it, hashtag no selfie and let the world know, like, if you want me to be like a cheerleader and stuff, like I, I, I get that. But, uh, you know, you, you're not letting me help you. I, I'm watching you, and that's all good, and, and it's cool to watch you do it, but Debo, you're doing a weight amount and a rep amount that you can do without me. You don't need me to get involved because you're doing what your own ability can. And, and I feel like for many of us as believers, I feel like Jesus is saying the same thing. He's like, I, I love watching you, and I love celebrating what you're doing, and I love being a fan, but I want to get involved. I want to be a part of the process. I, I want to help you. And, and so many of us, we're, we're literally like doing a weight amount and a rep amount that doesn't require God to show up. But then we're trying to tell people it's God. It's like, God, hey, check this out. I'm starting this business without you. I don't need it. I got it on my own ability. Hey, God, check this out. I'm dating this girl without you. I don't need your help. Hey, God, look, I'm making this decision without you. I don't need you to get involved. And then, like, some of us have so much gifting and talent that other people think it's God, but it's just our own ability. And Jesus is saying, I want to get involved. Here's the reality is that if, if Debo was to do a weight amount, or a rep amount that he couldn't do, I would have to get involved. Now watch this. The weaker he would become, the stronger I would become. See, it's not that we stay weak. It's not that we stay in sin. It's not that we stay in struggle to position ourselves for Christ's strength to be made perfect. No, we've now become a new creation. We now have a new anointing. We now have a new authority. We have the same power that raised Christ from the dead living inside of us. But we can't go back to doing what we can do without God. We have to actually put on the bar a weight amount or a rep amount that requires God to get involved. So imagine if Debo says, instead of five reps, I want to do ten. Here's the amazing revelation. For the first five reps, he wouldn't be weak. He would be strong. He would be using all of his gifting, all of his ability, all of his strength, until on the sixth rep, his strength met its weakness. And the moment his strength meets its weakness, that's when my strength as the spotter becomes strong. And the weaker he becomes, the stronger I actually become. So as believers, we have the ability to say, I'm going to do a weight amount and a rep amount with my faith and with my life. It doesn't mean I'm weak. It means I'm going to exhaust all of my ability, all of my gifting, all of my skill set, all of my talent, so that I can run out, so that Christ can run in and start manifesting to the world what only he can do. Preaching better than you're responding. See, I want you to get this. See, there's some of you that are just, you're broken, you're hopeless, you're lost, you're, you're in a point of weakness, and God's going to pull you out of it tonight. But there's also a whole body of Christ that's doing what they can do without Christ. You know, many of you have heard some of the story, I don't have time to get into it, of one nation one day. We sat with the president in 2011 of a nation of Honduras and said, Mr. President, you had a moment in 2009 where the nation was overthrown. We believe what happened in the negative can happen in the positive. But we need five things. One, we need you to be physically present at our event. Two, we need you to pass a bill through Congress that would not just make this national campaign a holiday, but would be a law. 
so that every municipality, every government agency, the chief of police, the military, the Air Force, everyone would have to legally work with us. Then we want you to open up the schools so we could go to a 1,000 schools in five days. We need you to open up the borders so we can get 18 containers of aid with no taxes, with no fees, with no bribes being paid. And then we also need the, the largest 18 stadiums in the capital cities of the 18 states for free at this age. He said, okay, and started the process. 11 months later, it was official. One Nation One Day became a national law that everyone had to work with. In 2013, we brought 2,000 missionaries down to Honduras from 86 different churches from around the world. I, I'm not talking about what we did. I'm talking about what Christ strength did. You need to hear this for a second. We wanted to, see, here's what we did. We started stacking the bar. We wanted to break history and make history. And we, we charted some 747s, but they never landed them in the nation before. So we had to extend the runway and add emergency vehicles. Talk about putting some weight on the bar. We wanted to give five million in medical away. Talk about adding some weight on the bar. We wanted to distribute 3.5 million meals, and we did. Talk about putting some weight on the bar. We went to 1,000 schools in five days with the dream curriculum. Talk about putting some weight on the bar. We talked to 23,000 leaders in one day, 23,000 pastors, equipped them with resources, putting some weight on the bar. Talked to the president and 1,000 political leaders in one day, putting some weight on the bar. We had 18 simultaneous events broadcasted live. Tigo, the largest cell phone provider, invited 5 million people, their clients, to the event, a Christian event, putting some weight on the bar. In five days, we ministered to 1.1 million people face-to-face, -face, not radio, not television, in person, face-to-face. -face. Come on, somebody. A year later, we sat down with a new president. There's so much to this story, but I'm going to get to the point in a second. The most violent city in the world was San Pedro Sula. More murders per day than anywhere, anywhere in the world. One year after One Nation, One Day, sat with the president. Murders per day reduced 75% in San Pedro Sula. Domestic abuse violence dropped 44%. All acts of violence in a nation dropped 38%. Suicide dropped 70%. The number one drug cartel left the nation. The largest gang disbanded. They had their first peaceful election in 20 years. More consecutive school days in the last 50 years of the nation's school history. We sat down with the president who inherited the nation after that campaign and said, we have a new nation under God. Only God could do this. But the testimony of One Nation One Day was some guys that ran out of strength and ability and gifting a year before the campaign ever happened. But we just kept stacking the bar. We just kept putting weight on the bar. Here's what you need to hear, friend. God's gonna do the weight, but you get to decide how much weight you put on. Now, if you wanna have a small group, stack the bar with a small group. If you wanna have a successful business, stack the bar. If you wanna just have a church, great. If you wanna to touch a city, great. If you wanna to touch a nation, great. If you wanna have influence, great. You get to decide what you put on your bar. God's gonna show up. His strength's gonna be perfected in your weakness. He's gonna show up and when you get under the bar, he's gonna do all the pushing and all the pulling. I remember as everything was taking place, I was just like, God's just so gracious to let us touch the bar. We put so, we ran out of resources, we ran out of relationships, we ran out of money. We just kept saying, but God can, but God will, but God wants to. And when we ran out of our strength, Christ stepped in and pulled the, we were just holding on and he was literally pulling up. We're like, oh my goodness, I can't. The planes were landing, the people were coming, the money was being raised. What are you gonna put on your bar this year? 
as you've been given a mandate to reach and reproduce, what are you going to put on your bar this year? Are you going to say, I'm going to disciple a few or I'm going to disciple many? I'm going to open up my home. I'm going to open up my coffee shop. My place of business will be a place of worship. It's time for us to stack some weight on the bar. Not so that our strength can be manifested, but Christ's strength. If we do it within our own ability, God won't get the credit because he didn't need to be there. But when we put on a weight and a rep amount that only God can do, we testify to the world of what God did. The world will never see how strong our God is until we run to exhaust all of our energy, our effort, our ability, our resource. Because when we run out, God runs in. When we no longer can push, God begins to pull. When you become weak, you become strong. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.